This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ. That's RotoWire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on all these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. I'll spell it out. It's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z or Z24. On today's pod, we're going to take take a look at uh, what's happening around the league after the third week of the season is underway and there are a number of injuries that have impacted rosters we're going to identify most added and dropped players as well as identifying new opportunities with these injury situations and roster fluctuations that are going on i think that's the nuts and bolts of what we do aj and uh speaking of aj before we get into it the rest of the show let's bring in my co-host how you doing buddy i'm doing great paul speaking of roster fluctuations antiniemi is on waivers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Penguins have called up Casey DeSmith. We'll get into the, more of that a little bit later, but that was the the great start to my week. Uh, <laughs> as as bad as that sounds, but uh, you know there have been some serious struggles. But again, we'll get into that when we get down to Pittsburgh later in the show. As Paul mentioned, as we you know before we kick off the rest, I'll just remind the listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general. You can tweet at us, and we'll try and answer your questions. Uh, we've had several great ones come in, some good discussions out there. So feel free to tweet us anytime. We'll get back to you as quick as you can. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. Very good, partner. And uh, let's get into our look at the 31 teams with the different storylines emerging uh, beginning with Anaheim, uh, Getzlaff is still out. That's that's tough. He's he's probably on the verge of coming back this week sometime, AJ. Maybe you have some information there. In the meantime, Andrew Cogliano has moved up to the first line left wing role with Rickard Raquel and uh, Jakob Silverberg. Injuries to the D mean more power play time for a guy like Francois Beauchemin as well, who spent a lot of time on the PP in his career. So it's probably in good hands there until the more more uh, usual suspects uh, turn up in Anaheim. But there's a lot going on on the injury ward there. Yeah, as you mentioned, Ryan Getzlaff, uh, he is going to be back in action tonight. So he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, as you said, the D-line, the gain one, lose one for them. They'll get Hampus Lindholm back uh, for the first time this season, but then they lost Cam Fowler to IR. And then Patrick Eves dealing with uh, what sounds like a pretty serious illness. He'll be out for a while. Yeah. Uh, 
Goalie and Barry syndrome. Uh, sounds like everything's on the up and up, but no real timetable on when he'll be able to return. Yeah, that's a tough one because he was expected to uh, pad their secondary scoring and be a top six guy for sure. Uh, over in Anaheim, Andy Ranta has been out with a groin injury partner, and that means Louis Domingue has actually appeared in more games than the, the presumptive starter uh, so far this year with five appearances. That number has uh, that uh, starting goalie, uh, Ranta, has just started skating again while recovering from a groin injury. That's a tough one for goalies, man. Uh, uh, even third stringer Aiden Hill, though, has appeared in two games, so a lot of opportunity exists currently for uh, a couple of guys in the nets there that weren't expected to, to take a large share of the, the goaltending in Arizona in the early going. So uh, uh, pickups are possible in those cases in the short term until Ranta gets back. Up front, Clayton Keller, a guy that we touted right out of the gate, continues to roll. He's got 30 shots now in eight games and six goals scored, still pacing the attack uh, ahead of a bunch of other youngsters who he's passed, it looks like, A.J. Yeah, to talk about that goaltending situation, uh, if you're going to p- look at either of these guys, I would go with Aiden Hill. He's probably going to get some more starts. Uh, you mentioned Deming has appeared in five games. Well, he's got four losses to show for it and no wins. Uh, one no decision on that one. So he has not performed well. Hill, uh, conversely, has uh, performed significantly better, which is why they've turned to him. Uh, well, Better in terms of goals against average, yeah. but still no wins for him either. So no, nobody's winning down in the desert, <laughs> uh, which is a serious concern. Again, we might touch on that a little bit later for a stud in the rant uh, tip of the cap there. But uh, some serious question marks there. And I think, Paul, as you kind of highlighted, it's, uh, it's a forward issue. I think more than anything, Keller is pushing the attack. Right. But outside of that, there's some serious question marks as far as guys stepping up. Uh, Derek Stepan has been okay, uh, but for your first-line center, you'd probably want more than six points in the first eight games. Right. And over in Boston, another groin injury makes the news that will sideline uh, Spooner for at least four weeks. That's a blow to their top six up front. And uh, Krejci uh, is still nursing an upper body injury. That means that DeBrusque and Schaller move up into the top six roles here. Schaller was the most unexpected of the two. DeBrusque, at least you can say this guy's a recent first-round pick who was going to make the grade, but Schaller's getting a look there. So it could be an, a good ad for the next few weeks. And speaking of good ads in Boston, I guess, you have to look at the goaltending with the, the fact that uh, Tuka Rask is dealing with concussion symptoms. There's no real timetable for his return at the moment, and that means Anton Kudobin will get more starts in goal. A uh, capable backup in the past, he, he to me, makes sense over uh, what's happening in Arizona in terms of the backup goalie situation, a more viable option in Boston. They've got a better team in front of them, and so maybe that makes some sense. Yeah, Kudobin has been uh, another one. Uh, when uh, all... Uh, victories or overtime losses no losses in regulation for him so far this season Uh, that overtime loss he did give up five goals that's a little bit of a concern uh, in their last outing against Buffalo Um, but an indicator uh, you can read into it what you will but they did send Zane McIntyre back to AHL Providence so that might clear Tuka Rask or at least have them expect him to be available to back up on Thursday uh, when they play. So things are trending in the right direction with that club uh, in terms of the goaltender. So I, th- I think things are looking on the up and up. 
But uh, overall, uh, you know, they they have not performed, uh, in my opinion, at least as well as I thought they would so far. Rask has just the one win to start the season, three losses, including a, a couple of uh, three and four goal outings. So yeah. he has not been quite as good as he usually is. Yeah, I'm surprised about that because I thought with the addition of Brendan Carlo, another year under his belt, they'd be a little stronger club back there. But uh, there are some gaps. They're giving up more shots than they usually do as well. Uh, in Buffalo, I'm hesitant about buying into a guy's start here. And Jason Pominville, AJ, this guy's 35 years old. He's got 11 points in nine games. He's now off the Eichel and Kane line playing with O'Reilly, who's no slouch at center. Let's not slag him because he's a fine face-off man and one of the top guys in, the, in that uh, face-off circle uh, for puck possession fanatics. Pominville, though, it should be pointed out, hasn't reached the 20-goal plateau in the last three years, and will be 35 years old soon. That's not a time when players suddenly see spikes in productivity over a season, so I'm not buying into this hot early start. Are you? I will actually buy in on the on the hmm. Pominville. Uh, you know, maybe more of a, a DFS play than a season-long. I, I do expect him to taper off a little bit. I would say my one concern in season-long formats is the power play contributions. Uh, just two points while averaging over two minutes of uh, ice time with the man advantage per game. So that's a little bit of an underproduction. Uh, as far as some other guys maybe to look at, I don't hate the uh, Sam Reinhardt, Justin Bailey option on the third line. Uh, they're not going to blow the doors off, but if you need a little bit of depth uh, scoring on your season-long team, I think either one of those guys would be worth just a, a quick glance over. I think can add some value uh, if you're definitely struggling and, and looking for some depth. Over in Calgary, something old and something new is the storyline. Jeremy Yager has suffered a lower body injury, and uh, that, there's no timetable for his return. That stinks a little bit for the old uh, old uh, star who's looking to get the games played record under his belt. He needs another 51, I think, appearances before he takes Gordy Howe out of the record book in that line. I thought I'd never see the day where that would happen. On the positive side of Ledger, though, the Flames have called up uh, Mark Jankowski, AJ, a 2012 first-round draft pick. That's been a long time waiting for him, but he had to. He decided to fulfill an obligation at Providence College. The club certainly let him do that. This is a big body guy, 6'4", 200 pounds, and uh, you talk about the fact that he got more seasoning in the AHL. We've talked about a lot of players that went that route. He's been a point-of-game guy there last year and also, also got off to a great start this season, and with the injury to Yager, he's going to get a great shot here, I do believe. Yeah, I would agree. I expect him to to suit up uh, tonight, I believe, yeah. is their next game. Yeah. Uh, and so I expect him to be in the lineup there. Probably going to start off in a fourth-line role, but don't be surprised if they shuffle up their lines and give him a look, uh, you know, maybe with Goudreau and Monaghan. I don't think Furland is, is firmly cemented on, no. on that spot. Um, so they could switch some things up. And speaking of switching things up, I wouldn't be surprised to see him give uh, Eddie Lack a little bit more work. He's got just one game under his belt this season, albeit a very disappointing outing. Um, it, actually, in relief, I believe, or maybe he got pulled. Um, just, you know, faced just six shots, uh, not the goaltender of record. But that's his lone appearance. So I would expect maybe they'll uh, turn to him a little bit more, especially considering Mike Smith has dropped three of his last four contests. Yeah, and you've never been a Mike Smith fan. you got to say that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> About in uh, Carolina, speaking of goaltenders who might get a look, uh, with the busy schedule coming up in November, Cam Ward is going to get a shot, I think, at a couple of games here. And you got to give this guy credit. He's been a good soldier after being their starter, starting goalie of note for the last several years. He comes into one appearance so far this year, stops 48 of 51 shots, a real 
uh, hot, uh, hot evening for him. He p came away with a victory as well. I, I think he's going to be worth picking up in season long, and maybe even DFS play in the near term. He'll be relatively, relatively cheap, too, uh, for his pricing. But this is a guy who's a veteran guy who's been in Carolina for a while, and I'd like to see him get a shot. He's going to in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely agree with that, Paul. I would say uh, if I have a concern about this team, it's a lack of production out of their second line. Uh, you look at yeah. Sebastian Ajo, a guy that we touted early in the season. He's got just three assists, no goals. Uh, Victor Rask has just two points, uh, so he hasn't done much either. And then Elias Lindholm may be the highlight of this, uh, this second line, but that's not saying much. Four points in six games, just one of those a goal. Uh, and so this group is really not performing uh, quite up to the level, I think, of what either of us expected. I mean, as a team, they're only averaging 2.67 goals per game. That's eighth worst in the league. So there's definitely a team struggling more out there. But uh, that second line, not cutting it right now. And what about over in Chicago? Uh, Artem Anisimov was the projected second-line center, but Nick Schmaltz has passed him, AJ. And that's the big, that's big news when you talk about a guy who can play with... Uh, with uh, Patrick Kane on that unit. So Schmaltz should be seeing a spike in ownership, I do believe, in the next little while. He's got uh, three points in five games played so far this year. Uh, that's big news for me. Do you agree, or are you looking elsewhere on this roster for news and notes this week? I agree that that's a, an important uh, a point, you know, Nick Schmaltz getting uh, some more work. But I think it's a little too soon for anybody out there that might be writing uh, Anisimov off. Yeah, he's got just two points, uh, but one one of those, the goal that he has, did come on the power play. I think he just needs to get uh, a little more comfortable. You know, you look at his shooting percentage right now, it's down to 7.7, .7, whereas last year it was up at 21%, the year before 16.5. So usually he's converting at a much higher rate. Uh, I think he needs to just keep shooting, not be timid, timid uh, about what's going on. So for me, I like the move to pick up Nick Schmaltz, but don't write off Anisimov either if you're holding on to him. In Colorado, it's a similar story about a player getting a shot at first-line minutes uh, or top six minutes anyways. Ven Endergetto, this is a guy who I've seen a lot in terms of world championship play and also with the Montreal Canadiens. When he gets an offensive opportunity, he produces, and he's done so so far this year with three goals and three assists. Getting first-line minutes beside Nathan, Nate McKinnon right now, that's a pretty nice spot for anybody to land on that Colorado roster. So I've got my eye on Endergetto in the next little while to see what he can do. And I also want to talk about Semyon Varlamov. He was not on anybody's list of goalies to seek out at the beginning of the season because Colorado's fortunes were not expected to be great. But look at the great start he's had, AJ. 221 goals against, a 931 save percentage, much better than last year, uh, but right in the range of where he was for the last se few seasons prior. Uh, he's done it before, and he looks like he's ready to do it again. It's just that I don't know about the quality of this team. makes me a little bit nervous to, to buy into him in a big way. Are you buying into him at all, AJ? I'm not, not yet. And and I think it has everything to do, as you mentioned, with the team around him. Right. Uh, I expect their hot start is going to start to taper off. Uh, you look at a guy like Nail Yakupov, who we were saying all good things about last week while well, he's uh, pointless in his last four, got uh, yelled at and called out by the coach last week. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, he's tapering off. And I think you're going to see that around this team. Uh, and more as more of that happens, uh, I think Varlamov's numbers are going to drop as well. Uh, they've got Patrick Niemeth is going to be out. He wasn't a huge factor, but anytime you have to stretch your defense a little bit, your uh, goaltender is going to face more shots. 
And so I would expect uh, Varley's numbers to drop a little bit. In fact, you know, he was 3-0 in their first games. He's 0-2 in his last, uh, you know, last pair of outings. So I, I think that's going to be more the trend, uh, and those numbers are going to start to drop. You know what? Let's, let's be clear, clear. Neither one of us is a Yakupov believer. We just were saying nice things about him because he got off to a nice start. So I don't want anybody saying, oh, Paul and AJ are touting <laughs> this guy. We're not. He has to prove it over a longer stretcher for either of us. Jump on that bang, bandwagon, and we don't recommend you do either. Over in Columbus, Seth Jones figures figured to contribute more offensively we're, we were both on that train and he's done this just that with 23 shots on goal in eight games way ahead of his usual pace if he's too pricey though i would say go after da- david savard who is kind of a seth jones light he fills up the stat sheet as well as well so far this year he's getting regular power play time on a second unit there so if uh, price is an issue savard is not a bad option there on the blue line this is a deep team and both guys are going to contribute Absolutely. Speaking of contributing, uh, Sonny Milano uh, finally shook off a, a brief, uh, what appears to be four-game pointless streak. He got a goal a couple days ago against Los Angeles. I would say the one concern about uh, his last two outings is he's averaging just 8.42 of ice time in those pair of contests. I think the fact that he got a goal while averaging or while playing just over eight minutes. Uh, in that Kings matchup is is saying a lot about his ability to to shoot the puck, uh, and then uh, Pierre Luc Dubois was another player that was supposed to be kind of highly touted, and it looked uh, day one it looked like he was going to live up to expectations. Got a goal on opening night, has been blanked since, and again another guy seeing his minutes drop off as well. So if you bought in on those guys. You may have jumped a little too soon, although I think Milano long-term is going to have more upside this season than uh, Dubois. I, I like your call on the minutes played situation there, AJ. Uh, that's that's a consideration we got to watch out for. Whenever we note uh, a player's scoring exploits, I always take a look at the minutes played as well. So great for you to bring that one up. Uh, let's, uh, let's keep that in mind as we look at other players, too, on this list. I'm sure we're going to come across others. And we go to the next club. That's the Dallas Stars. Ben Bishop has been as good as you have advertised particularly AJ he's five and one out of the shoot with a 209 goals against average that's the goaltending is what what seems to be the missing link over here in Dallas for the last couple of seasons if this guy gives it to him this this team's going to be pretty scary I would say uh, another note is that uh, Matthias Janmark is in the number two center role and has really responded with five points and a plus four rating this has been something of another hole that they've tried to fill with a number of different bodies and uh, it's working right now for Janmark and he might be worth a look in season long and DFS play as long as he keeps that streak going. Both uh, numbers are boating well here and allowing the Stars to use Marty Hanzal exclusively as a checking line center. That's really good for the team. Not so much for his value as a DFS player, but really in terms of the team concept, Marty Hanzal is properly slotted in as the third line center here. Yeah, and you know, last week we talked about a little bit of uh, disappointment in that top line with Ben and Sagan not really producing uh, at the level that they were expected to. Well, since we recorded our podcast last week, both guys have four points in three games, so they're turning it on. And for a team that was completely uh, beset by injuries last season, they're looking healthy and ready to go. And I think they're only going to get better and better as, uh, you know, that defense gels a little bit. Mark Mathot, I think, was a great addition, but, you know, it takes a little bit of time for guys to iron out. They're carrying uh, two extra defensemen, so there has been a lot of movement up and down uh, the the pairings there with guys shuffling in, guys shuffling out. So I think once they get set, figure out who's going to go, 
that defense will only get better, which is going to help Ben Bishop be even better than he already has been this season. Uh, and so I think this is a team looking up. Yeah, and another team that is on on the up and up, to use your phrase uh, that you used a couple of times here, is is the Detroit Red Wings. And we didn't expect to be talking about them in, in positive terms, but they've had a fine start, and now they got more good news this past week as the Athanasiu holdout has ended with his recent signing for a cap hit of $1.3 million this year, I do believe. Although it did necessitate the, tri- uh, the trading of Riley Sheehan, a guy who they, they ran out of options for this guy but just because he had trouble finding the score sheet and they couldn't afford to keep him around uh, with this long scoring drought that he had. But he's on his way to Pittsburgh and I think he's properly slotted in over there. We'll get into his situation a little bit more when we talk about the Pens. I'm sure you'll have more to say there. But uh, to me, the offense has done its part here, surprisingly consistent and well spread out. Wondering if it will continue. The goal has been as predicted a kind of ordinary and uh, that's kind of uh, the, the fly in the ointment here that's going to bug this team a long term because I just don't think they're going to keep scoring as they have been uh, out of the shoot even with the addition of Athanasiu uh, another boost that they can hope for is that when uh, they get to Kaiser back on the blue line this this kid's two weeks away from a possible return and they spend a lot of money on him. He's got a $5 million cap hit over the next four seasons in addition to this one. So big dollar commitment. They want to see some return on a guy who was highly touted in his junior career and really hasn't really delivered. But they need to give him another good shot when he does get back, I think. Well, and they also have $3 million tied up in Trevor Daly, who's looking more like the Chicago Trevor Daly mm-hmm. than the Pittsburgh Trevor Daly. He's got just one assist through nine games, uh, despite averaging 20, over 22 minutes per game. So he has not lived up to the, the top billing that they gave him. I do think Red Wings fans ultimately are going to be happy with Scott Wilson. Uh, he hasn't put up any points either with Pittsburgh or in his one game with Detroit yet. Um, but he's definitely an energy guy that can help on that fourth line. Uh, he got 26 points last year with Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, he had some chances due to injuries playing with you know some of the top talent there. Right. But even as a fourth line guy, I think he's going to add uh, grit, uh, energy, and going to be a great, uh, great penalty killer for them as well. So uh, Scott Wilson, I think, is a great addition. I think all things considered, Detroit uh, probably got the better of this deal. Uh, they weren't really interested in keeping Riley Sheehan around anyway. They got a draft pick uh, and a solid uh, bottom six uh, forward out of it. In Edmonton, boy, the Oilers fans must be uh, wringing their hands a little bit here with a lot of concern. No team, in my opinion, is in underperforming so far this season like Edmonton. Uh, the good news is that Leon Dreisaitl is close to return from his con- concussion issues and may even suit up tonight, AJ. Meanwhile, Drake Blake Kajula, a useful forward, has been diagnosed with his own concussion issues. They still need uh, Cam Talbot in goal to get his game in order, or little else will matter, though. That's where it begins and ends for me. Absolutely, Paul. I mean, the fact that Cam Talbot has got just two wins uh, in six outings is kind of mind-boggling. His goals against average is creeping towards the the three-plus zone. It's 2.95 right now. Uh, That is a major concern. And yeah, as you mentioned, it sounds like they'll have Kajulia and Dreisaitl back tonight, uh, which will shuffle things around a little bit. They'll have to make some moves. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Chris Kelly. He's been hanging around on a PTO for a while. I wonder if getting those guys back will kind of end that dream there. Uh, And really, I think one player that they can't get back soon enough uh, is Andre Sakara. You know, he's really only skating, uh, you know, apparently moving well, but 
you know, he's not not taking all the steps. He's not back to practicing with the team. Uh, and so they need him back, I think, sooner rather than later uh, to help stabilize that blue line. AJ, over in Florida, there's nine guys that have at least two goals. Uh, I wonder which, which one of these guys you might put some money on in terms of produ- producing at this rate the rest of the season. For me, it's a guy like Connor Brickley. He's a plus four as well in only six game played and only getting 30, 13 minutes. I expect him to continue to get a more of an opportunity than we forecast initially. That's why I bring his name up. And certainly in goal, we have to look at the, the duo there and realize that uh, Roberto Longo is nursing a thumb injury, so they're going to play... Uh, James Reimer a lot in the next little while so anybody that uh, forgets about the fact that now there is effectively one guy that's going to carry the load it might make you think more about picking Florida because they've got an offense that's insulating them and they got a defense that's performing better than I think expected so uh, the spotlight might be on uh, the former Toronto goalie here in the next little while I love the call uh, about Brickley. Uh, just to pick a, a different option, uh, I do like McCann. I think he uh, can offer some uh, some value. Uh, he's dealing with a lower body injury right now, um, but if he's healthy, I think he can really contribute as well. Uh, we talked a little bit about ice time before. His is down it, it, or lower. Um, 11:26 is his average ice time prior to that game against Washington in which he left early picking up that injury but I think if he continues to to chip in and help out I would expect to see that creep up they're giving him a shot on the power play as well uh, so those are all good indicators of what they expect out of him uh, speaking of that Luongo injury what I thought was interesting is when he when he got hurt it was clear that his thumb was already taped up so he was obviously dealing with something already trying to play through it um and i i have to wonder if maybe they should have just sat him in the first place rather than putting him out there and letting him play through something that uh you know obviously was exasperated by the by the hit Right. That's an interesting call, AJ, and one that makes me think that you must be watching a lot more hockey than, than I thought you would here. You notice something like that. That's great. Well, it was right. against the Penguins. Let's not give me too much credit here. <laughs> <laughs> With the Los Angeles Kings, I got a good look at this club last night and I realized that Dustin Brown is the most added player in terms of ads and drops in the last week. His ad rate went up 34% in more uh, more leagues than, than it was a week prior. That speaks to the hot early start here this is another guy who has not produced at this level for a number of years i need to see more before i believe in that and i also think part of the that is going to be it's going to be his production is going to be needed because a guy like jeff carter missing from this offense is huge news he's going to be out for a, at least three or four weeks as well with a, a leg injury a skate cut him on the back of the leg and those take a long while to heal and there's a lot that can go on back there we've seen it before with a couple other players so huge blow offensively to the the los angeles club uh the, on the on the good side of ledger uh, Jonathan Quick's been st- superb. He was unbelievable last night against Toronto, keeping that cl- game closer than it should have been, and uh, tells me that he's ready to be noticed again as one of the top five to s- ten goalies in the league easily. Uh, but uh, nothing is more important right now than the depth at center behind Anze Kopitar. I don't know how they fill that in. Yeah, you mentioned that depth. Apparently their answer on filling that in is 34-year-old Brooks Light, uh, who saw just Mm -hmm. you know uh, a combined 81 games between washington and toronto last year uh 14 points in those outings uh so definitely is not going to rack up the points for you there in uh in los angeles so i i think what's going to happen 
is all those injuries. You're talking Kyle Clifford's out. Marion Gabrick's still been out. They lost Jeff Carter. Uh, I think those are going to start to pile up. I think it's going to stretch uh, their depth a little bit. And ultimately, I think we're going to see the Kings uh, struggle a little bit more than they have. They've been phenomenal of late. As you mentioned, they do still have Jonathan Quick in there. Um, but for me, I think I'm only using Dustin Brown in DFS right now um, based on matchups. I, I expect a little bit of a downturn in the team, which I think will you know, kick into his production. Uh, he'll be great in DFS play if you pick him on the right matchups. Um, but I'm not buying in on season long at this point. And boy, with his trip to, through Toronto, uh, local uh, product, Drew Doughty got a lot of airtime in Toronto yesterday, and his contract expiring. You wonder where he's going to wind up next year. What I, what I love to see that guy in blue and white. He just <laughs> plays a ton of minutes and really fills up the stat sheet. True number one type defenseman. He's uh, still got a lot of good years left, and he's all about winning, so I'm crossing my fingers. But don't accuse me of tampering, okay? I'm just wishing out loud <laughs> because this guy's a superb defenseman, and uh, he played a ton last night and was a factor at both ends of the ice. In uh, Minnesota, apparently some people are heeding some of our advice, AJ. Chris Stewart's another guy who saw his ownership shares go up about 16% after I talked about him last week. I want to say I had a little bit of a role to play. This guy is playing top six minutes and doing it with a, a style of power, power forward type style that we don't see much more anymore uh, these days. But when he's on the ice, he gets a lot of room, this guy. He can, he can uh, fill the net uh, with the best of them when he gets that kind of space. Another guy who is getting a lot of room uh, as a result is Jason Zucker. This guy was unheralded at the start of last season, but had a breakout campaign, and with six points and six games played so far he, this year, he's out to prove that that was no fluke, obviously. Right now, both of these guys are playing first-line minutes with Miko Koivu. This guy's one of the best, best puck uh, movers at center in the league as far as playmaking goes, so I'd love to get a chance to play with a guy like that. Maybe I could have made more money than I'm making right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we talked preseason about Minnesota, uh, some concerns about the age of this team well injuries have kind of changed that for them uh miko michael granlin he's supposed to be back uh relatively soon possibly tonight but it sounds like they're going to lose zach parisi for a while he's headed for back surgery oh my. uh nita riders on ir charlie coils on ir and so some really uh unknown quantities are going to get tested luke kunin landon ferraro justin clues all guys who have gotten called up in the last uh, couple days here they're going to get some looks. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see this team potentially go, uh, you know, with seven defensemen and just 11 forwards and a couple of uh, outings coming up just with how many injuries they do have there. Uh, and I think getting Grandlin back will be a huge boost. Uh, but yeah, losing Parisi for any length of time sounds like it's going to be a longer uh, rather than a shorter stint. So that's definitely bad news uh, for fans of the wild. AJ, it's hot take time. We're talking about the Montreal Canadiens. You and I, at the beginning of the season, we both called the Canadiens to miss the playoffs, and uh, we were alone in that category, I think. A lot of, uh, every other pundit that I've seen had this team targeted for the postseason. This is one where we're going to come out smelling like a rose because I think we're right about our call. Uh, will there be fallout? Count on it. There's nothing like the restless natives of this fan base. Uh, Pacioretty, the captain, has one point in eight games. Carey Price, 395 goals against average and a 
puny 881 save percentage. Terrible numbers for the two leaders on this team. The pressure is getting white hot over here. With a thin defense, my question, though, is do they burn a year of 19-year-old Victor Mete's eligibility amid these dim fortunes? He's been a bright light playing with Shea, Shea Weber, but boy, oh boy, I'm wondering if they want to burn that year in a year that, that uh, they might have to burn this team to the ground, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make, Paul. I think, honestly, not only are they going to burn one of the years of his uh, entry-level contract by playing more than nine games, I expect they're going to burn one of his uh, years towards uh, restricted or unrestricted free agency uh, by playing more than 40 this year. I don't see how you can send this guy back down uh, with being one of the lone standouts on this team, at at least defensively. And you mentioned the, the concerns up front. Their scoring has been, uh, for lack of a better term, abysmal. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got 1.5 as their goals against average through eight games. Even Carey Price isn't going to win you that many games when you're not able to score even two goals a game. And you look at their their, uh, lineup here as far as who's got points, their second leading scorer is Carl Alsner with four assists. I don't think Carl Alsner has ever been the second leading scorer (laughs) on a team since maybe his days playing mites. (laughs) <laughs> as a little kid, I mean, he, he's not a bad player. He contributes offensively. Uh, so this is not by any means a knock on Carl Alsner, but he should not be your team's second leading scorer. No, that that's a telltale sign if there ever was one, I have to say. Over in Nashville, Pecorine has been outstanding, and uh, the top-rated defense has been as good as advertised. That's really what, what was expected. A good turnaround season for Rene behind that superb defense. They could be offensively limited in the next couple of weeks because Nick Bonino, who was brought in to anchor that second scoring unit, is expected to miss that time with a lower body injury, and that's going to cause some roster shuffling. I just don't know how they're going to fill in that second role uh, at center. That was a key uh, thing l- last year that held them back a little bit, and uh, looks like it could be a problem again. Well, I don't share your concerns, Paul, and I'm going to dig into my AHL bag of tricks here, uh, watching their their affiliate here in, in Milwaukee. Uh, Carl Yanrock, uh, Yarnrock, I think, is a, a solid player. He's gotten over 30 points the last two seasons, has only missed two games over that stretch, uh, so he's dependable, uh, able to tally some, some points, and I think he'll fit in just fine there. And then on the fourth line is going to be Freddie Gaudreau, getting the call up from Milwaukee uh in in last season he played 66 games for the Admirals 25 goals 23 assists for a solid season now obviously on the fourth line up in the NHL I don't expect him to put that level of production up there I'm not saying he's going to be a 40 point uh guy per night in fact they're only playing him about eight and a half minutes through the first three games but I think what he can contribute maybe five six seven goals uh, uh, maybe double that in assists. So over 20 points, I don't think is a stretch for him, depending on how long he's up with the club. So I think they've got plenty of depth in the system uh, and they'll weather the storm of not having Nick Benino. And it just goes to show you if they get Benino back and you're putting a guy like Yarnrock on the fourth line, uh, this is a really depth uh, heavy team. And they offer a depth, a scoring depth that I think is almost unrivaled in the league. Yeah, and that's why we touted this team as one of the top clubs at the end of the season for sure. Uh, we both liked them a lot. We liked them last year too. It just last year, if we recall, we we had them both pegged for a long, a great play, a great regular season. Didn't materialize to the postseason, and they gave your Penguins all they could handle in the finals. 
The New Jersey Devils up next. The Devils scoring exploits continue, and suddenly top rookie Nino he Nico Heischer has chipped in with seven points in eight games and starting to look all the, for all the world like the best junior player in, that he was in hockey last season. That's a pace, incidentally, that equals what Austin Matthews did last season in Toronto, yet uh, Heischer's not getting that kind of play at all in terms of the media coverage. Something about the media center in Toronto, I suppose. Uh, that comparison <laughs> to Leafs as a whole, though, may be a valid one, as a number of young players in New Jersey are exceeding ex expectations here, particularly on offense. So, so far, even covering up for some subpar goaltending from the normally steady Corey Schneider. I think if the young guys can hold their end of the bargain, Schneider's going to get his game together, and this team is going to be one of the big surprises in the, in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely agree. I, I don't think either of us... Uh, I didn't doubt either of us even had them as a playoff team no. heading into this year. Uh, I will say one one player that I know I uh, touted very early, Jasper Bratt has no points in his last five games. But again, to go back to his time on ice, you know, it's it's such an important thing to look at. You want to know if a guy's getting opportunities. But despite the lack of points, still seeing over 14 minutes of ice time per game, still averaging over two and a half minutes of power play time. So they're not bailing on him. They're giving him plenty of opportunities, and I think it'll come around uh, just a little bit of uh, some growing pains for him right now. And then, uh, you know, we talked about the the Heischer. Well, Will Butcher is another player, another young player scoring for them defensively, still uh, clinging to that uh, that team lead of nine points tied with Taylor Hall uh, for the team lead in scoring. Uh, and so Butcher has been a nice uh, little surprise there as well. And I'll just throw it out there. If you're not following Terrell, Taylor Hall on Twitter. You probably should be. He's had some pretty funny moments the last day, including <laughs> calling out Heischer for listing himself as a New Jersey Devils prospect on his Twitter page. So uh, Taylor Hall, a fantastic follow on Twitter. Jeez, even some social media buzz here created <laughs> by my partner. Good call there. The New York Islanders, look at this team. If you look at the most important players at the beginning of the season, certainly Tavares was there uh, on an island up ahead of everybody else. But right behind him, you got to talk about Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk. This, this is a pairing on the blue line that have been the backbone of this club since they came over in a couple of preseason uh, moves a couple of years ago but uh, they've both really underperformed so far this year Nick Letty's a guy I touted for a 50, go 50 point season he's only got two assists so far and Boychuk is pointless for his part these guys have to turn it around if the Islanders are to fed, fan any hopes of contention at all this season without them performing there's no chance and then uh, on the positives though Yarrow Halak has surprised me a little bit in goal he lost his job to Thomas Grice as the number one guy here, but he may have wrested control back away from him. And that battle, if it continues, could be the best news out of uh, the New York Islanders situation. Uh, uh, which guy do you favor? I think uh, I'm concer concerned about Halak's ability to continue at this pace. I, I do share your concerns, but if I'm, I'm forced to pick one of these guys as, as my netminder, I would go with Halak. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I think he's uh, performed well. Uh, under pressure, you know, you look at one of his losses was a, a 30 shot uh, outing. He gave up three. That's not terrible, uh, especially when you've got a guy like Tavares. You would hope your teammates could maybe get you three, bail you out of that one. Uh, he also only gave up three on a 41 shot performance against the Rangers. So uh, I, I think he's performed really well. Uh, I think he'll hold on to it. But ultimately, I, I do think they'll continue to split this, uh, you know, goalie tandem more than what you'll see on other teams. I don't think either one of these guys is going to take it over to the point where you're only seeing the other one uh, in back-to-backs. 
And uh, Paul, speaking of the Islanders defense, if you want to just mail me that loony now, um, I said they were going to be bad, uh, and they have been. Uh, I really, the only one who's kind of stood out is Calvin DeHaan. He's got four assists uh, through the first eight games, uh, but you know, defensive scoring is just completely lacking. Uh, in fact, none of their defensemen have scored a goal uh, this season. It's all been assists, which you know that that certainly is a valuable contribution, but you'd hope that you'd have at least one defenseman that could put one into the back of the net. Yeah, I'm going to start shining it up real good for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Over in Ottawa, there's lots to talk about here with the Senators. Derek Broussard is among the most added players in the NHL with a 10-point effort so far this year and a plus 10 to go with it. Mark Stone is right behind him with nine points and playing that heavy game that I like from power forwards, as everybody knows. Craig Anderson's been outstanding in goal. This guy's in his mid-30s, but playing like a guy that's 10 years junior. I'd only suggest uh, don't buy high on a guy like Chris Weidman, who has five points so far this year on the blue line. Uh, 17 is the highest that this guy has uh, recorded in three seasons as a pro. And we got to remember that now Eric Carlson's coming back to do some of the heavy lifting on that blue line. Another kind of a negative uh, move here is Bobby Ryan is has incurred the sixth hand injury of his uh, career that's tough luck this guy's gonna be out for about a month yeah that was a huge blow Uh, this team is another one that's really been kind of beset by injuries Uh, they did get Eric Carlson back but they haven't had him all season long Uh, losing Ryan now I I think they're gonna get Smith back sooner rather than later Uh, he could potentially be ready to go this weekend uh, but he'll, you know, miss for sure uh, their next uh, two outings, I believe, but might be back on Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, some certain uh, some definite question marks there as far as that goes. And they've had a few guys uh, that have stepped up, uh, but nothing, you know, great. I mean, Nate Thompson, 33 year old as a second line winger, he's a natural center. So I don't really feel like that's a good fit. And it's showing he's got just two points. Uh, Tom Pyatt, he's kind of bounced around uh, those line combinations as well. He's only got three points. And so there's some definite question marks as far as their, the depth goes on this team. And I think without Ryan, without Smith, uh, it's going to start to show up. Now, they did call up Max McCormick. I think he can uh, hopefully infuse some youth here. Uh, last season, he had 21 goals in, in AHL Bennington. Uh, and so they should hopefully get an infusion of youth and, and maybe some speed with him showing up. You know what? I doubt myself as the stats man, but maybe I, sh- I should pay a little more attention to the alphabet. I missed the New York Rangers, AJ. Sorry <laughs> about that. Kevin Shattenkirk and Ryan McDonough uh, have moved ahead of uh, Brady Shea in terms of power play time. I touted Shea as a guy that could be uh, an interesting pick in season-long play, but he has uh, not been exposed to as many high-opportunity minutes as I thought he might, certainly not nowhere near what he got last year, and it's affected his production in the early season. So that's uh, that's one on me, a miss, uh, based on what uh, is happening there with the other two fellas, more experience and more uh, traction for them so far this season. Another veteran, though, is not performing. That's Rick Rick Nash. One goal, no assists in nine games. That's terrible for the commitment that the Rangers have in this big man. And, and, you know, he he should flourish in this team. This is a good skating club, and he's, for a big man, a guy that can really move too. So I don't expect this low production to continue, but right now it's a blight on on his ownership, uh, I think. And uh, in terms of the goaltending, Boy, Lundqvist and Pavlik have both stunk so far this year. 
I don't think I've ever said that about Enric Lundqvist, but he's been very bad, uh, bluntly stated. Yeah, I mean, there's no no way to get around it. Another poor outing by him last night. Uh, you know, just a .833 save percentage, gave up four goals on 24 shots. I mean, that is uh, very uncharacteristic of him. Now, I will say some of his record, uh, a little blame can go on his for- forwards. He does have two overtime losses. But in one of those overtime losses, he gave up five goals. So it's hard to blame anybody else for that. And last night, his positioning... Uh, at times was really questionable. Uh, he made a bad play behind the behind the net, uh, and they they stole the puck right out right off his stick. Uh, got in front of him. There were a couple moments where he just uh, slid in the wrong direction. In a couple other games I've seen, he's been cheating towards the center, and guys have taken advantage of it, going short side. Um, and it's against guys you know are going to do that. I mean, Phil Kessel put one in on him short side. I, I get you need to play the, the odds on that and maybe cheat a little towards the middle if, if Kessel makes that pass. But, I mean, you have to know that a guy like Phil Kessel coming down uh, is going to fire it off and, and with a wicked fast wrister too. So uh, I, I think he needs to maybe sit down, take a look at his game, and, and kind of reevaluate some of the decisions he's making. You know what? Last year we saw a bit of a downturn in the fortunes of, uh, of the collective Philadelphia forwards. But to, to date this year, there's a little bit of good news to report. Sure, certainly, we talked a little about Sean Couturier. He has been a popular ad in the past week, up 16%, uh, largely on the fact that we touted him so well uh, last week. I'll say <laughs> he was not rated among the top centers to start this season. And uh, that's the good news. Uh, as we forecast, though, Yori Laterra contributed very little so far this year good thing the flyers got a first round pick in morgan frost in that deal for Braden shen uh other good news claude Giroux, his eligibility now is there at left wing he's playing there exclusively to start the season and so he's eligible to play left wing and center in a lot of leagues by now uh it gives uh, fantasy owners an unexpected flexibility for such a premier player i would say who's returned to form after a terrible start uh, and full season last season i guess we have to say yeah, to, to add to the Laterra discussion, you know, he didn't even play in the first uh, first six games and not because he was injured. I mean, if he was, they weren't reporting it. Right. Uh, just a, a standard everyday benching. And it's taken some injuries uh, to other forward options for him to even get in the lineup. And so that uh, is really a big question mark for me. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. I would have expected, especially, you know, bringing him in via trade, I would have expected them to utilize him more, but they really haven't. I don't know if he's one of these guys that claims to not be a practice guy, whatever that means. I've never understood that phrase. Um, but it, there are some serious, serious questions as to why Jory Letera has been left off. Uh, and one player I, I will talk about, uh, Wayne Simmons. I thought maybe that that hat trick on opening night was a fluke. I didn't expect to see uh, a lot more production out of him going forward from there, but he's kept it up. He's got uh, six goals now, three assists for the season. His shooting percentage is an outrageous 27.3 right now. Uh, That number I doubt will hold. Uh, That's a pretty high uh, shooting percentage. That would be otherworldly if he continued that through the season. Uh, But half of those goals have come with the power play as well. So Wayne Simmons has really been stepping up. Uh, for his team and performing well you know what i'm glad you mentioned this guy's name i was really on his 
on his uh, bandwagon uh, and in preseason uh, prognostications. So I, I'd like to think that an American dollar is, is due me for that call, <laughs> AJ, because this guy fits the mold that I like, a big body player who can skate. Uh, there are big body players who purport to be uh, power forwards, but if they can't keep up with the speed of the game they're not going anywhere this is a guy though that continues to prove to me that he's really an anomaly in in the nhl the modern nhl a big man that can fly and he figures into every game that i ever see him play it seems so i i really am happy for him Uh, a good story here uh, in philadelphia uh, speaking of good stories, you already are waving, waving your arms wildly and the, with the news that <laughs> Anthony Niemi was placed on waivers yesterday. That means Casey DeSmith gets recalled from the American Hockey League as a new backup. I want to know what you think about, about him, but I'm kind of interested to know what your take might be on Riley Sheehan, the newly installed, installed third-line center as a result of this deal with Detroit. I think uh, a good fortune to smile on the Penguins here. This is a guy who's a year removed from being uh, able to score 13 and 14 goals in consecutive seasons. If you get that kind of production, from him on the third line you're going to be jumping jacks all season long absolutely and i i think the benefit that you're going to see for riley sheehan is uh i know he wasn't like considered a a top uh line guy for them in detroit but he was expected to chip in more than he did last year and i think that added to the pressure of that extended goal streak that's not what they're looking for out of him in pittsburgh the goal scoring we've got crosby malkin kessel Latang, those guys can handle that and i think sheehan maybe on a lesser scale will benefit the same way that phil kessel has not being the go-to guy not expected to live up to this production really what we need out of sheehan is a solid two-way player on the third line who occasionally chips in offensively and he has the talent to to chip in consistently so i think uh we did get a good deal now i'm very high on scott wilson so i was sad to see him go i think these two players probably would have been valued about the same in my personal opinion especially with how sheehan performed last year and so to that end that's why i think detroit got the better end because they got that draft pick thrown in as well uh to quickly touch on casey DeSmith, this is a university of new hampshire product uh decent player coming out of college never never blew the doors off uh you know his last season of college 20 wins uh, 16 losses and a 2.4 goals against average uh but he's performed well in the minors Last year, he featured uh, a little more extensively. You know, Tristan Jari had to get called up, so DeSmith took more of the reins uh, with the Miners last year. 21 wins, five losses, and one tie with a 2.01 goals against average. And he's off to a great start again this year. Three wins, a .98 goals against average. That's with a 9.65 save percentage. So he's been performing really well in the Miners. And, and to be perfectly blunt, um, it would he'd be hard pressed to perform worse than Niemi has, and that's not. I mean, that's not trying to be overly mean to Anthony Niemi. Uh, I'll give him a little bit of a, a pass in the sense that all three of his games were back to backs against two against Tampa and one against Chicago. So he was put in tough situations, uh, but a 7.5 goals against average is just not going to get let you keep your job in today's NHL, and especially for a team trying to three-peat for the first time since the 80s. He had to throw that in. <laughs> San Jose, Thomas Hurdle has, all, has been on my radar from the get-go. I was shocked when they penned him in as, for a third-line center role. He's back where he needs to be in a top-six position, second-line left wing, and factoring into their power play mix. 
That third line sentiment experiment did not last long, again, as we forecast. Paul Martin on the blue line is dealing with an ankle injury, so we're going to get our first look at a kid, Joaquim Ryan, who has shown a solid upside in the AHL. This guy has is, is, uh, been producing very, very well in terms of offensive uh, numbers in the minor leagues. Uh, actually, the AHL doesn't like it when you call them a minor league. Let's call them the second best professional league in North America. So there you go there. <laughs> but Joaquim Ryan is going to get a look alongside uh, Brent Burns on that first pairing. And I wouldn't be shocked if he produces a little more offense than, than uh, the regular running mate Paul Martin did. It's just that they may suffer a little bit defensively in that pairing. Yeah, I agree. I, I share your, your upside on, on uh, Ryan there. Now, through his first couple of games here, he doesn't have any points yet. Uh, six games, no points. So uh, I would expect that to hopefully creep up. His minutes are a little low for a defenseman, uh, under 18 per game, especially if you're supposed to be on the top pair with Brent Burns. So it seems maybe like they're rotating a little bit with, with Brent Burns because yeah. his minutes certainly aren't down no. uh, in the slightest. And so... Uh, that they might be just, you know, kind of protecting uh, Ryan a little bit, easing him into it. And then I have to say, anybody that wrote off Martin Jones after those first two outings, yeah, they weren't great. And at the time, they looked like bad losses to the Flyers and the Kings. Uh, but both those teams have continued to produce uh, at a pretty high level throughout the season. So giving up four to both those teams doesn't seem quite as bad. And then he's on a four-game win streak after that. So anybody touting the demise of Martin Jones was uh, poorly mistaken. He seems to be back and better than ever. Over in St. Louis, it's uh, all well and good that Vladimir Sabatka has six assists in the top six role, but he better find the net sooner. It could be dropped from that second line. They got a lot of options there in St. Louis on a deep offense, and uh, they can't support a guy who's not going to chip in with the odd goal. I mean, around that talent up front, a lot of people could get six assists with what's going on with some of these other players. On the blue line, we note that Bortuzzo and Gunnarsson have three points in nine games each. Neither one of these guys is likely to produce more, more than that pace so i wouldn't go out and run and grab them just because they're associated with the blues if in terms of the defensive scoring colton pareko and alex uh, peter angelo are the two proven commodities and they're going to be the ones that get the lion's share of the offense from the, the defense position yeah if you really need if you're in a deeper league and need a steal uh and all the guys paul just highlighted are, are taken uh i wouldn't uh, begrudge you picking up vince dunn two goals uh so far this season uh his first season in the league so he'll take a little bit of adjustment time uh they are giving him plenty of power play opportunities his average ice time is down but that's been creeping up the last couple of games uh he got up over 20 against tampa about a week ago and then uh, in his most recent game 19 minutes against golden knights so they're starting to use him more getting power play opportunities so his uh production i think will start to creep up as those minutes start to creep up as well AJ, a number of rookies are nearing that 10-game mark uh, this season, meaning that they could be returned to their junior club without burning that year of NHL status toward free agency in a couple of years. Mikhail Sergachev is one guy that's not going anywhere, though. Three goals and five assists for the 19-year-old with a plus-three rating. He's been as good as advertised. He's looked good every time I saw him in junior and the World Championships, uh, a stud in the making. You can see why they were willing to give up Jonathan Drouin to get him out of Montreal. The Canadians, you think they missed this guy a little bit uh, with that opportunity? <laughs> uh, you've been on the Nemesnikov train. Uh, his ownership rose 16% last week. Good on you. Gord is still listed as playing second-line minutes. That 
to me, I don't think that lasts. I'm going to say my guy, Killorn, gets, gets that spot over him in the near term. Uh, so I'm still going to go to bat for the veteran Tampa winger who uh, has been shuttled around this roster. Uh, the same on the blue line goes for Anton Strahlman. His puck-moving skills will be rewarded with all that talent up front, and I think he's going to get more of a prominent role going forward. The veteran guy is, is off to a decent start, and I think he needs to be part of the top two pairings and certainly part of the top two power plays units uh, on the season for this team to really reach the heights that are expected of them. Yeah, it's interesting how uh, how high on their defensemen they seem to be, and and not as a knock on either of them, but the last couple of games, uh, they've gone seven defensemen just to get these guys in the lineup. You know, Slater Cuckoo was technically uh, taking uh, that seven spot. He's got two goals uh, in his uh, you know couple of games so far. So it's interesting to see how high they are. That could have obviously something to do with Eric Condra being on IR, Cedric Paquette's dealing with an injury. Uh, and yeah, I, I'll take a little bit of a victory lap so far. I'm Vladislav uh, Nemestikov, 10 points uh, in nine games. You know, a lot of that has to do with uh, playing on that top line with Stamkos and Kucherov, who have both been phenomenal as well. And with how uh, gelled those three guys are, I think Nemesikov's locked in uh, to that top line role. Uh, and I agree with your assessment. I, I don't think Yanni Gord is the, the answer long term on that second line. Uh, I mean, a guy like JT Brown could get a look. I think even Ryan Callahan maybe could get a look. Or as you said, Alex Kalorn and, and, and even Chris Kunitz. Honestly, any one of these guys uh, could challenge Gord for, for that spot anytime. And now we get to my club, the Maple Leafs. Look, at all the hype is around Austin Matthews. He, he's right up there among the leading scorers in the league. What a hot early start. But I say get his running mate, Willie Nylander, if you can. He carries the puck more, and he's every bit the sniper that Matthews is. So he's going to factor into a lot of Toronto's offense this season. He looks like he's really made a giant leap over uh, la- even last season where he started to show some signs. But uh, if any of your opponents, conversely, though, if they, any of your opponents want to sell low on a guy like Mitch Marner, owing to his current fourth-line status, grab him and hope that they didn't watch last night's game against Los Angeles because what this guy did against the Kings was a dynamic performance. He was the game's first star. His fourth-line status simply won't last. This guy is a guy who ran roughshod over junior hockey the last two seasons of his junior career. And remember that Willie Nylander was down there as a fourth-liner for part of last season. Mitch Marner is not a fourth-liner. He'll be a top-six guy on one of the best offenses in the league in Toronto before the end of this season. Mark it down. Go to the bank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paul, that's a great point. Uh, and, you know, his power play time hasn't really dropped off either. Uh, and so that's a clear indication that the lines are are fluid, to say the least. Uh, I mean, if you really... If you really had to put a pin in it, would you really be able to lock down which one's the second line and which is the third? (laughs) I think you might give the Marlowe, Kadri, Komarov line the edge. But, I mean, Brown, Bozak, and JVR could technically probably be considered the second line there, too. So a lot of shuffling. Uh, One interesting decision they made on the blue line. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but they signed Roman Polak uh, and sent the youngster uh, down in, uh, in his stead. So... An interesting situation there that they decided to get a little more veteran experience. Uh, I know Polak's a big body, a well-known commodity. I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that decision, Paul. I absolutely do. He's he's a favorite of mine. This guy plays an honest game. He's hard on the puck. He When he hits that puck, he's not trying to shoot it. He's trying to break it in half. 
That's how hard he hits the darn thing. And as far as hitting other people, he's not shy about doing that. And that's an element that, that's been lacking with this club. I think a lot of people think a night in Toronto is just going to be a skate-a-thon, but now he's going to make sure that people have their heads up, along with Matt Martin. Uh, they're, they're responsible for the physicality on this roster, and it's interesting that they combined on the first Leaf goal last night too, which tell, should tell a league, boy, this, this team's going to get scoring from everybody if, if they can get uh, production from Martin and, and Polak on the game scoring sheet as well. But solid veteran guy. And you mentioned Callie Rosen is the guy that goes down, an uber-skilled defenseman who's got to get acclimatized to the North American game. I think he and Borgman were brought over here as a kind of a tandem. Borgman, though, looks like a, to be another baggage smasher, another physical presence on that blue line. I don't want to play against that third-line Leaf pair if, if I'm an opponent seeing those two guys hit the hit bodies the way that they have so far this season over in vancouver they've been better than expected uh, partner and owners who bought into the likes of brock boser and Bro- uh, and bo horvat have been re- re- uh, rewarded because these guys have six and five points respectively and you can feel about good about holding on to them because they're young guys who seem to have an offensive upside tanev on defense chris tanev has teased owners before but he's the top dog here on the blue line now with Edler out of the lineup, and he's produced as well. So I don't buy the early returns. I do buy the returns on them, but I don't buy the early returns on guys like Thomas Vanek and, again, Michael Del Zotto, nor should anybody else, in my opinion. Well, and it didn't take long for Vanek to get bumped off that top line. Right. Uh, he's playing third-line uh, role right now. Jake Vertanen is up with the Sedins. Although, again, another one where... Is this really your top line? I mean, the Sedin twins have a combined eight points right now. Uh, and so they're, you know, they're not uh, actually seven points. Sorry. They're not even at the top of their team's list. You know, they're led, as you said, by Dorsett, Bozer, Michael, uh, Michael Delzato's got five assists. That's more than either of the Sedins. Uh, and so to call them the top line, I, I think might be an overstatement at this point. Right. And I wonder what we're going to get out of them the rest of the year. And they've been talking about wanting to re-up in Vancouver. They certainly got to pick up their socks if they, they want to get any kind of decent money out of their ownership uh, to stay there. In Las Vegas, boy, you have to feel for this club, AJ. They've been off to such a nice start, but facing the next three weeks without their top two goalies could be a large issue. There's some whispers that maybe Marc-Andre Fleury is not too far away from coming back, but in the meantime, Oscar Dance and Maxime Legacy are the next men up, Recalled, both of them recalled from the AHL affiliate. They got to hope that uh, that the flower gets back sooner rather than later. I wonder if you have a sense for that. I certainly don't at the moment. And you have to wonder also if George McPhee is feeling more pressure to get get some help for this tub club with the excess they have on the blue line. I know we've been waiting for that shoe to drop, and I think it makes sense to do it sooner than later. We'd repeat that message uh, in light of what's happening in the nets. But they might they could also use some help up front. So peddling the excess on the blue line, maybe uh, it should happen in the near term. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. If if nothing changes right now, they're going to head into their next game with a starting and backup goaltender with a combined zero NHL starts, a combined one NHL appearance, and that was the relief appearance by Oscar Dansk in the game the other day uh, when uh, Subban went down. That's a pretty young, uh, youthful team. All told, these guys have 13, just over 13 minutes of NHL uh, game time, which is not uh, encouraging. Now, you mentioned Flurry; He's for sure out, according to the team. The next two outings could return sometime next week. Uh, and so it would be interesting to see if they make them make a move. Perhaps there's a goalie on waivers they might take a look at, a veteran who they could pick up. 
I'm not saying that would be the best choice. Um, but when these guys are so young, as, as much grief as I've given Antiniemi, when you have two guys with such limited experience, I, I actually don't think it would be a terrible move for Vegas to snag Niemi off waivers uh, and, you know, send down probably a legacy, let Niemi either serve as a backup to Dansk or, or get in a game. Uh, I think they need some veteran uh, help there. Uh, and it's it's just too young, in my opinion, for, for what they have. Boy, desperate times for desperate measures there is what the summation that, that you just gave. Yeah. In Washington, scoring from the defense is the biggest issue here. We can talk about that. But Tom Wilson is listed as their second line left winger. This is a guy who played fourth line minutes last year. And that speaks to a lack of offensive depth that's been sudden and swift in terms of the changeover from one year to the next uh, over in Washington. It's something that I didn't, I didn't see coming, but uh, a couple of key offensive pieces have have left, and that's pushed uh, Wilson up the charts, and that just speaks to a lack of depth behind a top line that's, that's been on fire. They're going to come back to earth, and uh, they've, they hid the lack of second, secondary scoring as a result, but not many people are talking about this. They should be. This team is, is thin on offense, thinner than most people would uh, care to think. Well, and they just got thinner, too, with Andre Burakovsky, uh, headed for for injured reserve so it's it's definitely not uh, getting any better for this team as far as that that scoring depth goes uh, they'll put in probably Nathan Walker into the game Chandler Stevenson called up uh, you know and some some heart palpitations yesterday for for Caps fans as Ovechkin got tangled up uh, during a drill it sounds like everything's going to be okay but you're definitely going to want to watch uh, watch out for that uh, there should almost certainly provide an update later today regarding his status. And in Winnipeg, I suggest we all keep an eye on one Kyle Connor, a former first-round pick who has two points in two games while playing with Shifley and Wheeler on that top unit. We saw how well they insulated uh, Patrick Liney. It didn't hurt him at all last season, and I expect Connor to get a long look here in this role. It certainly has bumped down Nikolai Ehlers, who we highlighted last week, and uh, I just think that's another pairing where up front anybody else can play on that wing and be productive so Kyle Connor gets the lucky the lucky four-leaf clover for the next little while in Winnipeg yeah I'll compare Kyle Connor similar to a Jake Gensel uh, offers a a pretty similar style of play uh, and will just benefit and and so far has shown the ability to just make the right decisions at the right time to really capitalize on playing on a top line like that Uh, it's definitely not a knock on Ehlers I think he's probably better suited to play with Little and Line, uh, but all six of those guys are going to produce, uh, in my opinion. So Kyle Connor, as you said, Paul, great addition, uh, probably not a bad look uh, for DFS options. Uh, and, you know, he's already on my uh, my expert league team, picked him up right away as soon as he got called up. Great call. Now it's time to give a nod to our friends at FanDuel AJ, where fantasy football is going on and it's ruling the roost. Uh, there's new contests starting every week. There's no busted seasons here. There's something for everybody. Lots of contests to choose from, starting from as low as a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch them score in real time. We had another week that we had a lot of storylines emerge in week seven. You know what? Uh, teams that have the San Francisco 49ers on their schedule must be looking at that almost as a bye week. And I love saying that because uh, about 15 years ago, I was surrounded by a lot of people who claimed to be longtime 
49ers fans. You couldn't find one with a shotgun shell these days. If you, if you look around these parts, AJ, it's just the flavor of the month. They're no longer that. This team is in a major rebuilding mode, and they looked terrible. And uh, Zeke Elliott ran wild, looking like his, his rookie self with three TDs and 219 yards total offense. In other storylines, Amari Cooper finally looked like the dominant wideout that I thought he would be in Oakland and finally rewarded me for keeping him on my roster. Uh, 210 receiving yards and two TDs on 11 grabs. Another uh, team that I uh, team defense that I really like is the Rams, and they pitched a shutout over Arizona, a team that's suddenly falling apart. The Super Bowl match was a mitch, Super Bowl rematch was a mismatch, and you you probably feel pretty good about that a little bit. But uh, your team, the Packers, though, is uh, is one that uh, took it in the teeth uh, against uh, a guy that I really like. Drew Brees showed them what a veteran quarterback means. Not that the Packers need to be reminded they lost their veteran quarterback, and the youngster uh, still has to get his feet wet there. Uh, those are my quick uh, hits uh, in terms of the staff free roll. We did very well. We both were in the top 10 uh, among our peers, so I feel good about that. And just we just missed the top five where the money is. So uh, that was the week that was from my perspective. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was interesting in that staff uh, contest ownership percentage of Brent Hundley, uh, the the Packers backup was 15.3%. Uh, I, I think uh, his numbers, they weren't awful considering the salary. I think that's probably what a lot of people were going for, uh, discount on Hundley uh, to spend your money elsewhere. But his his production wasn't such... I would be surprised to see his ownership that high in two weeks when they come back from their buy. Uh, AJ Green, who I utilized uh, to to my regret, uh, was targeted just five times against what's been somewhat of a suspect Steelers defense. Uh, that has me questioning what Andy Dalton was thinking a little bit last week. I think he could have uh, utilized Green a lot more and you know take advantage. Uh, from my perspective, hopefully he figures that all out against Indy, uses A.J. Green a little bit more because in my season-long leagues, or one of them, he was my replacement for Aaron Rodgers. Look, at Cincinnati against Pittsburgh, they get the jitters when they face the Steelers. That's what I notice in their head-to-head matchups. Uh, Andy Dalton, the raging redhead, has been up and down all season long. I expect more from him, and he's got to get it straightened out if Cincinnati's going to be a factor the rest of the way. Uh, but uh, he's a guy that should be producing better than he is. Look, at uh, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. Why don't you join them? To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month program wire subscription plus a free entry into the nfl sunday million which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on fanduel just visit fanduel.com slash rw of course these contests are void where prohibited aj let's go to our fanduel dfs segment why don't you run through tonight's 11 game schedule please yeah we'll start off uh seven o'clock games are going to be arizona at the new york islanders got new york favored a uh, minus 190 with a six over under then you've got anaheim at philadelphia uh, no line on that one right now edmonton travels to pittsburgh and what'll probably be the marquee matchup of the night penguins are favored minus 150 with a six over under i think a lot of that has to do with cam talbot's struggles of late uh be interesting to see how that one shakes up i'm uh, eager to see what riley sheehan can do our uh Tampa Bay at Carolina, another 7 o'clock. Hurricanes actually coming in favored, minus 125. I think that's a little surprising to me, uh, but I think the ro- the road trip for Tampa Bay might be what's factoring into that. 
Detroit at Buffalo, the final seven o'clock game, uh, and the Sabres favored minus one thirty. That's another kind of home ice uh, difference there. At seven thirty, we've got Florida at Montreal, uh, decent matchup there in my opinion. Uh, the Canadians favored minus one thirty in that one, a five point five over under. I would take the under in that. Montreal can't score to save their life right now. And the Panthers aren't doing uh, significantly better. They're scoring spread out. They don't really have a dominant guy right now. Uh, L.A. coming off a back-to-back. They'll travel to Ottawa. Uh, no line on that one right now, likely due to the back-to-back. Right. You look at the 8 o'clock games, Calgary at Nashville. Uh, Predators favored minus 140. I mean, this team has been phenomenal at home ice. I would be hard-pressed to bet against them. Vancouver at Minnesota. Uh, the Wild, a big favorite tonight, minus 200 against uh, against the Canucks. And then the the other 9 o'clock game is going to be Dallas at Colorado. Uh, this, again, another line a little bit surprising to me, minus 135 for the Stars. I would have expected that to be a little bit bigger, a 6 over under on that one. And then the last game of the night, Chicago at Vegas at 10 o'clock. No line on that one right now. I'm interested to see how that goaltending situation shakes up. I, I assume even if they did claim Niemi off waivers uh, or you know trade for somebody today, you have to assume with the game tonight, they're going to go Dansk as the starter, yeah. likely, and uh, Legacy to back him up. So I, I don't think they'll be able to fix that or resolve that situation quick enough to do anything different. So that's the lineup tonight. Paul, any games there grabbing your attention? Well, of course, uh, Sid the Kid versus Connor. Give me more of that. Yes, please. Uh, I think that's <laughs> going to be all eyeballs on that one. But another one that could bear some viewing is Tampa at Carolina. This is two of the fastest skating clubs in the league, and I think it's going to be a real track meet over here. And then, and then the third game where I think we got a battle of the top two blue lines uh, cores in the NHL when Calgary faces Nashville. That's another one that I'm going to be looking at. A big edge goes to Nashville in the goaltending, which is kind of murky in Calgary. The guy that you love to slag, uh, Mike Smith, not... Uh, delivering the goods to the extent that I thought he might, but uh, you get they get a real test when Nashville is the, the opponent that they face tonight and uh, could bear watching. So there's three games that I'll be highlighting. AJ, let's look at the teams we put together and uh, FanDuel play for tonight. Uh, you go first, please. Yeah, so my big, uh, my big decision here is going to be to stack that top line for Tampa Bay. Uh, I think Carolina is still somewhat of a down team, and these guys have been producing at at an otherworldly level right now. So starting out, Steven Stamkos, 8500 big price tag for him, but I definitely think he's worth it. My other center, uh, going to go high-low here, going to go Valtteri Filpula, uh, a former member of the Lightning. Uh, he's going up against the Ducks. He's got a goal and two assists in his last couple of games. He's a little bit feast or famine. Uh, he's had plenty of games where he hasn't done much, uh, but I think he can at least get one uh, to a teammate. Uh, the Flyers have been scoring well as well, so they're a high-scoring team. Uh, then I go to Kucherov, uh, 8,800. Again, I, I mentioned stacking that top line. Vladislav Nemesikov, I was surprised to find his salary at 5900 So even if you don't want to pay up for Stamkos and Kucherov, I almost think you have to get Nemesikov in here at 5900 That's just such a low price tag for him. Uh, I've got to have a Penguin, of course. Brian Rust, 5600 uh, ta- We've talked about Talbot's struggles. Uh, 4,600, I think, uh, yeah. if I misspoke there. Yeah. Uh, he's Talbot struggling. Russ is playing on that second line. Uh, I also like Victor Arvidsson 
uh, for Nashville. They're going to be at home against Mike Smith, uh, who we know I always like to go against. Arvison held off the score sheet in two straight. That's not something that's going to last too much longer. He'll get one in the back of the net, I think, sooner rather than later. I'm hoping it's tonight. Uh, I did go to another Penguin, 4,400 for Olimata. He's been outpacing uh, his own production for much of the season. He's got uh, an assist in uh, five of his last six games. Uh, the one you know, where he didn't put up a point was against Tampa Bay. They're a tough team. Uh, I think he'll take advantage of, of the problems Edmonton's having. And then I went Michael Delzato for uh, Vancouver. Uh, you know, I talked about a couple assists for him. Uh, has not gotten that goal yet, but I think he will. Uh, and against Minnesota might be a time where you could consider using Vancouver. I, I don't think the minus 200 that they outlined really speaks to that matchup. I think Vancouver has been overperforming. Uh, and so a bit of a contrarian pick there might be worth uh, taking a look. I'm taking the risk on Delzato. And then in goal, Peke Rene, 8,100. So you're not paying top, top elite dollar. And you're getting a guy who's almost unbeatable at home. Uh, and so that's that's my lineup. Uh, Paul, what did you do? Well, I went with two big uh, rangy guys at the center position, Ryan Johansson, for Nashville against Calgary. Of course, a tough matchup against that defense for Johansson, but he's a big body guy who can find his way there. Most of the Calgary guys are all offense first anyway. For 6,400, I'll make him my pick. Then my vote for the smartest hockey player around, that's Jonathan Taves. He's going to feast over the Vegas goaltending situation. $7,100, a, a pretty nice price tag there for a guy and a team that will pick these guys apart. I do believe it'll be a party for the Hawks tonight in Vegas. Uh, Vander Kane, a guy who I talked about a lot this season, off to a great start, filling up the stat sheet regularly for the the homestanding uh, club. They face the Detroit Red Wings and their murky goaltending situation. Give me a share of that for $6,400 anytime. Then I went to the game that you're, you want uh, to see most, but I went to the other side of it first with Patrick Maroon. Look, at, I went for the caddies of the, the two big centers in this game with Maroon and Shiri as two of my wingers of choice, and I get them for bargains at $5,800 and $4,900 respectively. And I pair them with uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. I look for the big uh, Florida top line to have fun in Montreal tonight against a struggling Canadians team. If you want to talk about the over-under in that game, I think Florida could have a lot to say about that uh, with the fact that I see a mismatch here between some of the Florida forwards and uh, that uh, shaky Montreal blue line. On defense, I'm going back to that Detroit-Buffalo game. Rasmus Ristolainen quietly has uh, made his way into the top ranks of defensemen who can score in the NHL. $5,300 his price tag, again, against that shaky Detroit situation. And then I go back to the uh, Vegas-Chicago matchup for Brent Seabrook a guy who uh, has been in the shadows of uh, Duncan Keith much of his career, but he is no slouch when it comes to producing points. For $4,800, I'll take a share of him. And then you talk about a team that's tough at home. There may be no tougher one than Minnesota, and they get Vancouver coming into town. That means that Devin Dubnik is an easy pick for me, although I spend a little bit to get him at $8,600. What about the optimizer? What does it say tonight, AJ? Well, the optimizer favors Edmonton heavily uh, in their game against Pittsburgh, starting out with Connor McDavid for 9,100, paying up the big bucks. And the optimizer continues to spend at the center position, going Tyler Sagan for Dallas against Colorado, 8,600. Uh, then it's got Johnny Gaudreau in that Calgary-Nashville matchup for 7,200. Uh, again, I think that's a, a little bit of a mistake going with, with Calgary guys. Um, I, th- I think Rene is just too good, but we'll see how that shakes out. 
Wayne Simmons for Philadelphia, who I talked about earlier, 6,000. Uh, the cheaper options for the optimizer are Mike Camilleri of Los Angeles uh, facing Ottawa, 3,800. Not a bad option, especially considering he's getting power play ice time as well. Uh, and then Ryan Strom for Edmonton is the second player it wants to use, 3,800. Uh, same thing there. Uh, power play minutes second line guy defensively it's going both edmonton guys both relatively cheap oscar clefbaum for 4800 and chris russell for 3500 and then the optimizer i feel like i've said this a couple weeks in a row optimizer picking against nashville at home going mike smith and goal for 8100 yeah i'm sure you don't like the last three picks there on that roster at least maybe in the last <laughs> four aj <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't we remind our listeners don't forget to check out our daily pods monday to friday where we continue to cover all four major north american sports all year round in our dfs pods for the best recommendations in dfs play and the FanDuel's best plays of the day time to turn to our stud of the week you teased it earlier that tampa situation is flourishing and right in the center of it is steven stamkos 11 points in his last four games this game made the decision this team made the this guy made the decision to take a pass on the bigger money from other clubs to stay in tampa because he thinks they can win and win big and he enjoys life in florida who can fault him for that he looks to be completely healthy and is surrounded by a deep roster here if he stays healthy he'll continue to score at this pace and be among the top scorers in the league in my opinion yeah if there's any doubt why i'm using stamkos and his linemates and my my dfs linemate uh, paul just made my point by making stamkos the start of the week of the center's 18 points which is two points per game on average eight have come on the power play and he's logging over four minutes of ice time uh, per game so uh, Stamkos off to a phenomenal start hopefully he can stay healthy all year uh, that has been a concern in the past uh, but I expect more big things from him in that top line tonight well and now now it's time to do the rant of the week and there's only one winless team so far which speaks to the parody that we usually see in the NHL but Arizona continues to be at the opposite end of the spectrum how many years can they keep doing this in the desert, I wonder? This team has drafted some solid-looking players in recent years with their high picks, but they just can't seem to get it right. Strom, Domi, Dvorak are all among the top picks in the last few years and are joined this season by Clayton Keller, who's had a nice-looking start. So they're looking good up front, but they've got ab- almost nothing on defense beside Oliver ekman Larson, it seems, and the goaltending has been terrible. Uh, this, they need a new recipe here, AJ. It's going to be another long season in the desert, and I just think that they get, better get it right sooner or later, or Las Vegas will be only, the only team in the desert again very soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Now, to be fair... I think they would have won by now if Ranta hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, I think he was a good netminder for them to bring in, and he just hasn't gotten the opportunity to prove himself yet. Uh, Also, I am willing to cut them a little bit of slack as they are under a new coach and Rick Tockett and new systems. It's going to take some time for adjust. What I ultimately think this club needs, in my opinion, is to work on their AHL affiliate. I looked it up. They've only made the playoffs three times in the last 17 years. Uh, That is a pretty bad stretch uh, for your AHL affiliate to go. Now, you look at some of the top AHL affiliates in the league every year, and they're associated with some of the top teams in the NHL every year. I think they need to get that right first 
and then the rest will come. Yeah, that's a heck of a point. And we've seen the experience with uh, Grand Rapids and Detroit, that feeder system, Toronto and the Marlies feeding the Leafs very well right now. It's just a part and parcel of a successful looking franchise and they have to get it right in Arizona. So great point by you, a great way to finish. That wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ folks. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24 That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z or Z-24. We hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL on October 31st, our next planned podcast. We ask you to look out for podcast Hockey Pod every week so you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 